Summer's almost over. If you miss the summer blockbusters at the movies, it's okay. Hollywood's just going to make them again. David Swindle is talking about the endless cycle of reboots and remakes on this crummy little podcast. David Swindle is the managing editor of Liberty Island, which is an outlet for creative storytellers on the right, and worth checking out at libertyislandmag.com. David, Pal, thank you for coming back to this crumbly little podcast. Jim, it's great to be back. I need to start coming back sooner. You're so much fun to talk to. Really enjoy our conversations. Well, since I only do these podcasts whenever the hell I feel like them, they, uh, <laughs> there aren't as many opportunities as there should be. But yes, we'll have to get you back more often. But uh, hey, uh, you seen any good movies lately? <sighs> good movies. Um <laughs> That's that's a challenge. Not good recent movies, I, I would say. The 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 one that uh, we saw most recently, my my wife April and I. Uh, she she's a we're both Trekkies, but she's much more uh, intense about it than I am. So she insisted that we go and see uh, Star Trek Beyond, uh, the third of the uh, new rebooted Star Trek movies. And um, my my um, my expectations were already pretty well lowered because. Uh, the last one was was kind of a disappointment for me um, for a number of reasons. Um, I, it, I, it, with the ideas, it just didn't go very deep, and, and and I'm starting to feel like you know they're they're just doing episodes as movies. Um, they're not doing anything with with, with much depth anymore, um, and that's so I set my expectations there that maybe we'll just get sort of a an okay Star Trek episode, and. Um, that and at that level, it was moderately entertaining. Uh, it wasn't bad to watch. So if you see it on TV sometime, or if you want to get it on Netflix, it's 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 a pleasant to watch in that sense. But it, it wasn't so much a Star Trek episode as the Star Trek uh, universe, but more action and Simon Pegg style comedy and jokes and and stuff. So um, it's it's not the Star Trek. It's a rebooted Star Trek, but uh, not the Star Trek that a lot of us enjoyed. You know, it's funny. I was sitting the, the weekend that came out, of course, all the basic cable channels are playing. I don't know if it's all of them, but some of the basic cable channels are playing the first two installments. And the third, as you said, the third uh, third entry into this rebooted Star Trek that we've got now. And so they're playing the Star Trek that I came, uh, came out in, I think, 2009, and then there was Star Trek Into Darkness, which was 2011, 2012, somewhere in there, yeah. 2013 maybe. Yeah. Uh, the the remake basically of The Wrath of Khan, and we're we're sitting there and we see 15 minutes of whichever one we were watching, and we were saying, okay, was this the one where this happened? It's like, oh no, 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 that happened in the next one. And you're right that these movies don't seem to stand out. I mean, they're fun, they're interesting to watch, but they don't stand out on their own. You watch some of those old Star Trek movies, it's, even the movies, uh, the TV show kind of broke grounds. The mm-hmm. original series broke broke a lot of ground, and the, the next generation was very thoughtful. Uh, even the movies that came out in the 80s, uh, from the late 70s to the early 90s, but most of them were in the 80s, for the most part, outside of maybe Star Trek IV, were, were pretty thoughtful, deep stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, don't, you don't necessarily see them taking those risks but that's that seems like it's par for the course for making movies now it, it just you look at the top uh i was just looking at the top uh 
the top uh, grossing movies of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, we've got, uh, this is according to Box Office Mojo, number one is Finding Dory. It's a sequel. Number two is Captain America, Civil War, sequel. Number three is Deadpool, which is unique. Uh, number four is Jungle Book, which is a remake. That, Five is Utopia. Jungle Book was wonderful. So was it was it really good? Oh yeah, yeah. April and I we, we went and saw that, and, and we just both loved it, had a ball. So I, I mean, that's one where I'm okay with it as as a reboot because um, the the director is somebody who is an independent filmmaker at heart, which is John Favreau, um, and he's the one you know who you know launched the whole Marvel universe really with Iron Man, and and is someone who is maybe the admirable exception in this this trend, which you know, as we get into it more, I'll, I'll bash it quite a bit. But uh, Jungle Book was was just wonderful because he he added enough more depth to it, and the characters were so wonderful, and just an escape of a movie. So if I think it's still in theaters, if if you can see it, or if anyone wants to go see that, that's one to definitely catch. I think Zootopia, the next one you're going to say. Um, that one is also really good. Uh, really enjoy that one quite a lot. Watched it uh, while, come, while flying back on a flight recently. Um, and and uh, April, my my wife loved it a lot too. We're going to pick that one up soon so we can have it on in the background while she's working in the art studio and I'm writing and editing. So uh, that's I was just going to say I had another uh, I had a parent recommend that to me this past weekend, saying this is something you got to have for your kids. Like this is this is great. It's it's good stuff. Um, so, though, but then you get a little bit deeper, and you've got oh, it's funny you mentioned the the Marvel universe because then you've got Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, which is what DC hopes will will kick off their universe. Um, and that's, I mean, it's surprising to see it at, at six. I can't imagine it will end the year there. Um, you know, critically kind of panned. But yeah. then you'll look, and this thing's made $330 million. It, it was a safe bet. And and despite the critical panning, despite the fact that internet message well, boards don't seem to I'm care not, for it. Well, I, I, well here, uh, I, the past couple of years as, I, as I've lived out here in L.A. and been around Hollywood and been getting interested more in the film business, I've, I've researched more like the financing and the, and the money side of films. And it's really bizarre and interesting nowadays and particularly just looking at the box office numbers um it it's hard to get a picture of of whether a movie is really financially successful or not um because they're so long scattered out in terms of when they get their money and um so i'm not and i heard uh batman versus superman cost a whole lot to make too so i'm not so I'm not sure how, how to evaluate, be, be very cautious and skeptical in, in, in how to evaluate the, the money side of these things, because um, I mean, to just get into our, you know, our, 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 our point here um, or the point that I wanted to, to make about uh, this, this whole reboot issue. Um, it's really important to see these big movies that, that make hundreds of millions of dollars really as corporate products and operating according to corporate rules and shaped by committees they, you know, the filmmakers may want them to be art and may try to have them be art. And occasionally they, they can still be successful. But in doing these big budget movies that cost hundreds of millions of dollars and, and have this degree of, of computer generated special effects and have to are they're really they're financed around the world. So they have to be able to appeal to audiences in Asia and et cetera, et cetera. So it's 
you know, it's grown much more complicated to be a film lover and a film analyzer and appreciator uh, nowadays than it was, you know, say 15 years ago when I was first like starting to get into uh, the film world. Yeah, and to to keep harping on Batman versus Superman, and I say this as someone who grew up as a Superman fan, watching these last installments of the Superman and DC universe, it's just kind of uh, it's it's kind of sad because they don't they don't seem like they're they're true to the characters. But then, I mean, you mentioned that these are these are looked at as corporate products or looked at as investments. There's going to be a a Batman movie in that universe. There's going to be a Wonder Woman uni- movie coming out of that universe. Mm-hmm. They're already planned. They're already. I don't even know if I don't I haven't seen if they're in production or not. They might be in post production already. They they know that it doesn't matter how many internet comments are are made or how many critics say this this was absolute schlock. Doesn't matter. We're coming out with a sequel <laughs> in a couple of years, and you're probably going to come see the sequel. Um, and and you brought up the the Marvel universe, which started really with John Favreau's Iron Man, which was which was a home run. Oh, you watch yeah. that; it's a fun movie, uh, cool plot, uh, and and Marvel kind of lucked into it. I don't know if they lucked into it. I shouldn't say they lucked into it, but but they they have this this really good movie that you can build a franchise or, or build a, a cinematic universe around. And even if some of them are are not quite direct hits, you know, Ant Man is like, eh, it's okay, but it's not, <laughs> it's not great. It doesn't matter because they've, you know, they'll they'll pop out a Captain America Civil War and and that'll that'll make up for it, or they'll pop out a, you know, an Avengers and and it it makes up for a lot of the the misses. So if but do if you think the form- there's there's, a, there's starting to be a fatigue on the superhero movies and of these kinds of genres at this point? I think there's going to be at some point. There has to be at some point, uh, I would think. But uh, on the other hand, this has been, this has been going on for 40 years. I mean, that's what Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman, came out in what 77 or 78. Well, I, so I mean, I, I guess my my point is, is is that earlier on in like 2008, when Iron Man was coming out, and when you know Watchmen was, was a couple of years later, there was starting to be this big kind of renaissance of the superhero movie and we were starting to think oh wow we can finally get superheroes as we wanted them to always be in films and it can be both big blockbuster exciting and also can have some depth and and be art too and i i'm kind of there have been a few successes here but i'm not sure or that that's really happened. I'm, I'm starting to feel like maybe it's been pushed too much and there's been a burnout of it. I'm not excited to go see each next installment. We're, you know, April and I are running behind. In we we just saw uh, Avengers. There's uh, Ultron recently. It's like we're we're catching up on them because when when they come out, there isn't the the same twist and excitement of the first couple movies. I, I think that the first Avengers was was awesome. The second one um, was Functional. It was good, uh, but not as groundbreaking. I, I'm one like part of the success with with big blockbuster movies is that they break some kind of ground. They do something really new and different. And, and I'm not sure that just putting out more superheroes in different combinations, different twists on it, is going to break as much. Is going to keep breaking ground. 
the only the only possible I think you you you're right that at some point you got you you stop going back to the well. I mean at some point this the gravy train ends. Um, and, and audiences want something a little, want something different and it becomes, you know, some other, some other type of movie. Maybe it's a Pokemon movie or something like that. I don't know. Oh God. But, I had to read those back in the day. Oh, it's coming. It's kind of, you know, with this, this app, the Pokemon Go stuff, you know, it's coming, man. Um, I think with, with Marvel in particular, you'll have the Civil War storyline that they started in this last Captain America I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you if you're I haven't up. seen it yet. I'm sort of familiar with the basic storyline. I just didn't I didn't want to go and see Iron Man and Captain America fighting each other. It just didn't appeal to me. And I I I didn't want to read the comic book series when it was going on. It just seemed lame to me. Yeah. So I was like, "Uh, oh, we might catch it when it's on Netflix." But, but April didn't want to see. It. We just got the the second Captain America movie and and we tried watching it. She doesn't like Captain America that much, <laughs> and so eh, okay, we'll see how it goes. It's yeah, I mean it's, but I think it is kind of funny that we're talking about it like, oh yeah, we got to watch this one, we got to catch up on this one, and and you're talking about it like you're catching up on something, <laughs> like you have to see it. There's there is some kind of impetus to go and and see this, which I think they've been very successful about. But at some point, you know, I know. My wife and I kind of threw up our hands at one point and said, okay, listen, um, we can Wikipedia some of these and we can be fine. So we don't need to sit down and watch Ant-Man and we don't need to sit down and, and watch, you know, the, the what's the Captain, not Captain Marvel, it's uh, Doctor Strange coming out later this well, year. Well, that one has, has, has Benedict Cumberbatch and, and, and April and I are, are big on the whole magic and supernatural thing. You know, she's a Harry Potter fanatic and such, so... We probably will see that one unless it gets terrible reviews. Well, see, then, then, then there's something. There's something at least a little different. We're, you know, we're just, we're at this point. We're like, okay, well, if we can't see it, we'll Wikipedia it, and we'll just try to get to the tentpole ones where it's like, okay, if it's if it's an Avengers or an Iron Man or a Captain America, we'll we'll see it to advance the storyline. But uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be optimistic with with Doctor Strange. Maybe this will be the one that reboots things even better because they're really opening up and, and laying out, here's Marvel's rules for the supernatural and magic. But they maybe didn't do that enough with the Thor series. I didn't get, I, I liked the first Thor movie. It was okay, but it didn't inspire me to see the second one. Oh, that's right. I forgot there was a second one there. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's one I just kind of, I haven't even seen. And I don't feel like I've missed anything either. Um, Thor is kind of boring. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, I don't think they even referenced it in any other any other uh, of the cinematic universe or on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything like that. And if I don't feel like I'm compelled to watch it to keep up with the storyline, I'm, I'm just not going to pay attention. Oh, another uh, thing I have to throw in here. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The thing about uh, like the Avengers and kind of the direction that some of these movies are going in towards, they, watching them really seems like playing a video game. I mean, just like watching the new Avengers movie, I could just see, oh, this is a level in a video game. <laughs> There's just so much computer effects and so many things being thrown at them, and you know that there's already a tie-in to the video game. That you know the mediums are starting to blend together in in how they're influencing each other. Yeah, that's a good point, and it it creates a little bit of a of a narrative laziness, doesn't it? Oh yeah. 
Now the other the other reboot that came out this year, or not, not I shouldn't say reboot. Um, well, it was a reboot. It wasn't a sequel. I guess uh, Star Trek Beyond is a sequel of a reboot. This was just a straight up reboot. Was the uh, the Ghostbusters movie? Did you see any of that? Um, the wife went and saw it. Uh, it was a feminist girls' night out for her going and seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, did the movie live up to a feminist girl's night out? No, not really. She said it was, was, was pretty forgettable and bland. Uh, <laughs> um, but she had a good time, I, I think. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think the, the cultural hoopla over, over, over that was, was really overblown. You know, the, the way it became such a, a culture war issue that, like, um, supposedly conservatives and people on the right were, like, offended that Ghostbusters was now being recast and with race and, and, and women and, and et cetera. And, and this is something to make an issue out of. I, I, I found that kind of annoying that that was picked up on as something. Uh, it's like they, that was probably even anticipated when they were doing the marketing that it, that they can generate anyway. That's, well, it sure, it, no, I think, I think that's accurate. I think it sure looked like that. Um, because it, look, I mean, I, I'm actually a, a, I wouldn't say a huge fan of Paul Feig's work, like that I go out and see every one of them, but there is a Paul Feig movie in my wife's Christmas stocking every damn year. <laughs> so, so, because, no, because we, you know, we've watched like stuff like The Heat. Uh, I haven't seen Bridesmaids, but I saw Spy, which I actually thought was, was surprisingly good. Um, but they're not movies that are going to blow you away, but they're fun movies. And then in this one, it seemed like they were they were building up all the – they were trying to do a summer blockbuster with a cast and director who just makes excellent, solid comedies. And it was it was a little bit dis- – oh, I mean, um, I almost felt like they they maybe needed to do that marketing to – to oh, that's an interesting appeal to point. people. Yeah, okay. And you know, give people a reason to see it. Like, hey, you know, come on out because it's okay to like Ghostbusters with women. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's <laughs> doesn't doesn't make your movie any better. <laughs> but it's, um, but if that's uh, that's a shame to to hear that review because it's a. Uh, I feel like with those four leads and that director, if they were in any other movie, I'd probably go see it. Yeah, you know, I I was I never got into the original Ghostbusters that much. Um, it, it wasn't one of my '80s things that I adore. So that you know that, that that's I guess that was one of the pop culture cults that I didn't I didn't fall into. Yeah, it was it was not as good as people remember it. I mean, the original <laughs> movie was, yeah. but, but, but I mean, if you, if you watch, you know, that, that's another one. You know, the movie comes out, and so people are playing the old movies on, you know, AMC or whatever, and they're playing Ghostbusters two, and you're watching this, you're like, boy, this is this is just a horrible money grab movie. <laughs> like they knew they could slap Ghostbusters on it and get lines around the block, and sure enough, they set a record for opening weekend when it came out in '89. It was broken a week later by another superhero movie, Batman, which kind of rebooted the idea of superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, nobody looks at that and says, that's a classic movie. 
so I, I guess, you know, big picture point with, with these sequels and, and these, these reboots, you know, that, that I mentioned earlier is seeing this in the context of how corporations behave and how corporations think. And in, in particular, then how corporate minded individuals think people who are trying to are thinking um, in terms of quick, fast, immediate growth um, and not wanting to take particular risks when they can. That it is is much safer to and, and easier to make an argument that oh we have this audience already and we can build on top of of this audience instead of trying to take a risk because when you're dealing with money on that scale of a hundred million dollars two hundred million dollars plus to to make these big science these big special effects movies that's what, just what you have to do. Now, if you're an, if you're a moviegoer, and, and you know, we should say that as much as as much as I like to po- poke fun at it, and you know, as much as we like to joke, like, oh, well, it's another summer full of sequels. Um, you know, again, not to not to go back to this list too much, but you know, something like 15 of the top 20 grossing movies this year, domestic gross, are sequels of one kind or another. Um, or sequels or reboots of a movie. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, if you're spending, I mean, Ghostbusters cost $150 million to make or close to $150 million to make, and there's another $100 million in, in promotions. So $250 million that you're sinking into a movie project, you, you want to have something that's a proven commodity that people, people want to go out and see because if you end up with a, you know, something like Independence Day, that made, I think, just cracked $100 million, you're in trouble. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a, very, it's a very strange industry, and the, the publishing industry is, is kind of traditional. Book publishing has kind of become more like it as it's become more corporatized um, in terms of that focus more on the big blockbuster hit um, that has a wide, you know, big appeal. Um, instead of things that have meaning or are taking risks and, and that aren't as much of a sure thing. I guess there's, there's a big difference between the products put out by corporations and the products put out by entrepreneurs, and in the same way the art and the films. Well, let me ask this. What are we missing as a theater-going public, which is feeding this, what are we missing from this? I think what we're missing is in the, you know, we we haven't gotten to talk about Star Wars yet, um, but this is it's probably the good example of you know, Star Wars um, was built and created not so much originally by a corporation, but by an entrepreneur, by George Lucas, um, and by building, you know, not just his film but his whole company, um, and having that entrepreneur spirit, um, and when we if we're looking to these reboots to have the same, you know, spark of entrepreneurial spirit as their originals, that's what we're missing. So what we're missing is, is that it's time for, you know, us as uh, pro-Americans, conservatives, uh, libertarians, whichever label you want to put on, on yourself out there listening. Um, it's time for us to be more entrepreneurial and go out and, and create our own culture. It, you know, if we're instead of just complaining about how the movies that we used to love have now been supposedly hijacked by social justice warriors or 
whatever the people on the other side are calling themselves now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good place to see that in action is at your spot at Liberty Island Mag, where you're the managing editor, managing editor now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good, by the way. You go come on the podcast. You're the West Coast editor. Managing editor, you'll own the site next time you're on. <laughs> and the time after that, you might own the entire internet. Uh, David Swindle, thank you very much for uh, for talking movies on this crummy little podcast. Hope to talk to you soon, Jim. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening to this crummy little podcast. If you want to hear more, check out www.crummylittlepodcast.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks again.